Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Included series. My name is Dana Wilson, and I'm the CEO and founder of CHIP, which stands for Changing How Individuals Prosper. CHIP is a digital platform connecting individuals like you to Black and Latinx financial professionals. This series was started to give people of color a chance to tell our own stories and thoughts around wealth. We hope to demystify stereotypes that still plague many of our communities, regardless of economic status. So sit back, relax, and let's talk money. Hi, everyone. I hope your summer is going well. Uh, you're staying well and continuing to stay safe. Thanks for always tuning in and welcome to the eighth episode of the Included series. I'm really excited about our guest, Carol Cooper, who is SVP of Global Marketing at Live Intent and is the founder and host of the Minority Report podcast, which I'm a huge fan of. Absolutely a great podcast. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, make sure you do so. So I'm going to bring Carol in and let's get talking. Hey, Carol, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself, Dana? I'm doing well, doing well, coming back off of somewhat of a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> more, of a, more of a change of scenery. <laughs> <laughs> got to do what you got to do these days to stay sane, right? I know. Seriously. It's like <laughs> everything you can do for self-care. And it's like whatever that looks like, you just have to just make it happen and make it work even in the, the world that we're living in now. How about you? What, what are you doing for your self-care and, and trying to stay sane? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, uh, outside of uh, working, which I'm, I'm probably doing way too much of these days, being at home, uh, mm -hmm. cycling. I, I try to either get outdoors as much as I can and ride my bike or, or, or on the Peloton as well, too. That, that's, my, uh, that's my time to have, keep, uh, you know, my thoughts to myself and, and uh, sort of exercise and sort of uh, bring it down a little bit, if you will. <laughs> yeah, just like me. I'm like the Peloton's right back there. And the, yeah. the cycling bike is over there in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> How has it been? How's the, the riding journey been? It, it's been it's been good. Um, you know, I, I wish I could get outdoors more than, than I have this year, but when I've gotten out, uh, that's been fun. I think, you know, with uh, with everything going on in the world and having two kids at home uh, mm -hmm. as well. Uh, it, it's a little challenging at times to get out and, and ride as much as I want to, but I'm definitely sneaking in uh, the Peloton rides. I, I, I would say either a combination of be either being outdoors or riding the Peloton. I'm cycling every other day at this point. Nice. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So since you do have a Peloton, I kind of have to ask, who was who your favorite instructor? Because there's always that like, you know, <laughs> Everyone has their favorite. <laughs> yeah, um, Alex T is probably my favorite, uh, and and uh, I'm a fan of Ali Love. So though that's oh, that's nice. one and two for me. How about yourself? Nice, nice. Um, so I'm a big Robin fan. Okay, yeah. Big, yeah. I'm team Robin, and I'm I'm still learning to have a second favorite. I always I'm like that loyal person that just kind of latches on, and Robin gets in there and just like kicking my butt every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I have a lot of uh, family, like my sister is all team Alex. So, you know, we're kind of like house divided here. Gotcha. gotcha. All right. Well, I would be on, I would be on the other side of the house. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's interesting too, that we're speaking today um, as well, just kind of on this historic day 
um, where they had the announcement of the VP for Kamala Harris. Um, And I just think it's so amazing. And a lot of, of course, what we'll talk about and tie in today when it comes around wealth and just visibility of, of black and brown people in these spaces, especially uh, just the public landscape. And I was watching right before we hopped on Joy um, read the readout, which I was also just thrilled about when uh, that announcement came out. I'm a big fan of Joy's. Um, but just like the levels of just what that means, just seeing her presence, kind of the same thing as when we just saw Obama in the White House and just that yeah. visual aspect how yeah. it just kind of changed the tides. Uh, what do you think about, about that? I, I, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I mean, I'll go back to when uh, Obama was uh, first elected. My, my oldest daughter is 12, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, the first eight years of her life, all she knew was a black president, right? Mm-hmm. And if you think back to uh, her grandparents, my parents, my dad grew up uh, in, in South Carolina, uh, my mom grew up uh, in Mississippi, right? And, you know, going through the times that they went through and growing up, I'm sure they never thought uh, that they would see the day when we had a black president. And yet here it is, their their granddaughter, their first grandchild, her first eight years of her life were with uh, a, a black president. Now, uh, we want to try to forget these last four years, but- uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, at the same time, uh, my my youngest daughter, who is three, I, I just think about them and what that means for uh, two black girls in this country growing up to see um, people that look like us uh, in those positions, and knowing that 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 is something that that they can shoot for, that they can achieve, that they don't have to have any sorts of limitations on their dreams or what they want to accomplish in life and seeing that. So that that's what I think of when, when I, when I see uh, moments like today. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. It's just like, to your point, I mean, just the visibility of that being a young black girl and to look at, you know, look on the TV and see, wow, there's someone who looks like me, who's a president and there's no blinders there. It's, I think right. it's just so beautiful how they can just come in and grow up with that just being normal. Yeah. Um, you know, as opposed to, you know, us who have kind of had to see the history, lived it to a certain extent, our parents and grandparents, you know, went through a world of right. difference and change. But mm-hmm. to that, but for them, for that to just be the first layer of this is the first president I've ever seen and the first, you know, VP of color, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, amazing. definitely. And, and you know, yeah. I, I try to, I try to live my life that way too, right? As setting mm-hmm. an example uh, for my girls here at home so that they can see, you know, a black man, a, a father uh, mm-hmm. doing certain things with, with his life. And I know we're going to get into, you know, uh, wealth and, and financial aspect of the conversation, but that that is all a part of it too, right? Is mm-hmm. me, myself, uh, uh, showing them and, and opening uh, doors for them as well too. Yeah, absolutely. And so we'll kind of start there too. I normally hop into my first favorite question, but I think we'll just, <laughs> I think we'll start um, with with your girls. How do you and, and your wife kind of talk to them about money or what's the conversation uh, like there when they're asking, you know, we all think that money grows on trees when we're that age. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I try to, I try to teach, you know, we're, we're a middle class family, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I think, you know, both my wife and I, we, we hold, um, you know, senior positions within our organization, I, I think, and we live in a great neighborhood, my daughter goes to a great school. I think what we try to to teach my oldest one is that, 
you know, not not everyone in this country and certainly in the world uh, is as fortunate as as she is. Right. There mm -hmm. are a lot of kids, a lot of families um, that uh, are struggling, especially these days. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we try to teach her, uh, you know, everything from from that perspective so that um, she's humble so that she has a better understanding of the value of a, of a dollar, right? We're trying to teach her to make sure that, you know, she saves money and, and doesn't spend money on, on useless things. And that's, that's getting harder and harder, especially in the days of TikTok and Instagram, where you oh see, goodness, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah but, but that, you know, that's, that's where it's where there's an ad right? for everything. Yeah. There's, there's an ad for everything. And, and people are, are posting, uh, photos of and doing certain things that's not really their lifestyle as well too right and so uh, we we try to start there and and keep her grounded right and and again she's only twelve the little one's three so we haven't talked to her about money yet but I'm sure mm -hmm. that's coming soon <laughs> <laughs> I know and it's so interesting it's like when we look at the different generations and even you know where we are how now just as black and brown people we're doing well. Yeah, um, we're, you know, we're doing different things than our parents had done. My mother worked at the same company for 45 years and mm. now we're at a, which is just unheard of. Yeah. <laughs> it's like those days are gone over. We'll never be seen again. I, I know I, I've been, uh, I've been at my company for, for five and a half years now. And the previous company I was at, I was there for almost uh, eight years. And, you know, people ask me all the time, well, wow, you've been there a long time. It's like, oh, it's only been five and a half years. But I guess right. in today's world, that's that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's like a year and a half, two years, people start getting the itch. Like, I've been there way, I've been yeah. there way too long. And I'm like, really? I was like, yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, it's like now we're at a different place where we're, you know, we're running companies, we're entrepreneurs, we're startup founders. Yeah. Um, we have all these really great roles. And, you know, there are a lot of us who are in this middle class life and living this life where we're able to provide different things for our families and yep. understanding that the reality is, you know, for these kids thinking that, you know, this is normal and this is kind of the norm to your point, right? It's like yep. there's a whole nother class of individuals who are still kind of trying to get there. And even us that are here, we're trying to climb up um, yeah. to other yeah. places uh, as well, right? Yeah. And and that's, you know, what they keep saying about sort of the, the middle class keeps shrinking in the, in mm -hmm. this in this country, right? Because it, it's it's hard enough to go from, you know, um, lower class, if you will, right, to, to middle class, but then right. trying to go from middle to uh, upper class is even that much more difficult with, you know, all the, the, the tax laws and, and uh, rules and regulations. So yeah, I hear you. It's it's a it's a challenge. Yeah, especially in the like, area where we live in, and you know. Yeah. In the East Coast. <laughs> Seriously, it's like during COVID, it's, I feel like we're all contemplating, you know, why we need to be in certain spaces, right? Yeah. Like, why does yeah. it make sense if you don't have to commute? If you don't have to do all these things, you can kind of pick or choose where you can live and possibly save a lot of money in doing so, right? It's just like, there's so many opportunities that I think COVID has kind of awakened right. um, in the, you know, in this unfortunate manner, but it's also kind of given people some power back to say, hey, you know, I really don't have to live this co close and spend this much because right. I was traveling so much and now I'm not. And now I can put some money back in my pocket. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even just, you know, myself being home for, for the period of time and not commuting into the mm -hmm. city every day and, 
you know, saving on gas and saving on toll and, you know, saving on, you know, the, the $12 lunches every day, which is just absolutely mm -hmm. ridiculous or the $5 <laughs> or the $5 right. coffees, right. You know, that, that money, that money adds up. And, you know, my wife and I, we, we've been talking about that and, and we're, we're, we're putting that money away and we want to mm -hmm. use it to, uh, either in, you know, to most likely invest, right? And and when I say invest, put it back into our house where we live today, uh, into certain projects, or put it away for for the girls, you know, if they go to school, uh, college in the future, um, or look at, you know, investing in in various stocks, so on and so forth. So that that's how we're sort of thinking about the additional monies that we're both saving from from not commuting, which adds adds up, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those dollars just, I mean, you, they just add up so quickly and it's they like, do. it's almost like you really don't miss it when you're kind of in the thick of things, you're just kind of going together with your daily routine. But when you kind of have this stopping point where we are and you're noticing the amount of money that is still in your savings account or checking account, because you're not having to do these things, it's like, wow, you really get to see that from a tangible perspective. And now it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do with those dollars now that we have them so they don't just disappear? Right. right. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now the conversations, I guess, that you and your wife are having, how do you all structure the financial wealth conversations as a, as a couple? Like, is there a saver and a spender or are you kind of both on the same page or how does that? Yeah. That I mean, we, I, I think for the, for the most part, we're both, uh, we're both savers, right? Um, uh, I, I have, certain things that um you know i i like to to purchase <laughs> okay, the cycling is not it's, it's not a cheap sport right, like, i right. learned that very quickly yeah yeah and so that that is one area where if if i do spend some dollars today it is there it is an it is an expensive sport i i actually just recently got a, a couple of my buddies uh started cycling and when one i got into it and and I and I th that was the one piece of advice I gave them up front. It was like, hey, just be prepared because it's not cheap. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. I, I mean I, I think uh, you know we both are we both are savers. Um, I will take uh, probably some risks here and there when it comes to um, investing in in the stock market or or things like that more so uh, than my wife does. Um, you know we have um, we have we have joint accounts and we have separate accounts as well too. Right. So, uh, that, that's kind of how we sort of balance and, and, and manage those, those conversations. But she always tells me, she's like, listen, you better be saving your money as well too, because when it's time for us to retire, I'm mm -hmm. going to the Caribbean. And if you don't have the money, you're going to be here. So <laughs> she's like, I'm going to yeah. go. Yeah. So that's my, but that's my motivation to save. <laughs> Right. She's like, whenever I'm ready, I'll be here. I'll yeah. text you. I'll text you the address and whenever you can make it. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll be taking pictures of how beautiful it is. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, I definitely think it makes a big difference, you know, when you're uh, married or you're in a relationship and the conversations that you have around money and how important those are. And they always seem to be the things that people kind of put off, right? It's yeah. like everyone's so interested in all these other things and sometimes maybe more materialistic things. And then when you really get in there, it's like, yeah. you haven't really discussed probably the biggest, you know, the biggest and hardest conversation sometimes to have, right. Is really right. discussing your money and unpacking that. And there's sometimes, you know, history that people have 
with money, right? So it's yeah. like, it doesn't always bring up the fondest of memories. And it's just like out of sight, out of mind. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> right, right. You know, one, one piece of advice that I got from a, a mentor of mine very early on in my career was he said that, you know, you have to treat your personal life uh, as well as your personal brand, like your own mm -hmm. business, right? It is, mm -hmm. and so for me, it's, you know, cooper.llc is what he said, right? You have yeah. to you have to approach it that way. And that that is the piece of advice that has always um, stuck with me with respect to, you know, my household, um, how my wife and I partner on saving money, um, where we spend money, planning out the future, um, keeping uh, things like a, a monthly budget, which you know you may think is simple, but a lot of people in this world don't keep a monthly budget, right? And look mm -hmm. after their financials that way. And I and I think that that's one piece of advice that's always sort of stuck with me very early on in my career is to treat my treat my household like a business. I think that's a great piece of advice. I feel like that's one thing that we always forget, right? It's like we're yeah. working on so many different things, but it's like really working on the home structure and, yeah. and the budgeting because you can, you know, set up a budget, but you also have to keep it updated or right? you have to continuously yeah. refine it and look at it as your life changes, as you bring, you know, as you start to develop your family and other things that you want to do, you know, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> you know, I know I have it. I don't really want to look at it. It scares me. Uh, but it's important to kind of do that for that evolution of that wealth plan of that wealth planning. And even just to think, you know, the way that you change your mindset, yeah. where you have to kind of have those conversations and make that active activity. Mm -hmm, uh, do mm -hmm. you all kind of set time aside just to do that together? Or is that just kind of something that you have um, sort of on autopilot, I guess, at this point? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of on autopilot for us at, at this point. I mean, we, we do sit down uh, a couple times, I would say, throughout the year, uh, just to sort of make sure, you know, we're we're aligned on things. Obviously, during tax season is, is a time we'll sit down. <laughs> like, that's the biggest. That. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think at this point, you know, we, we are we are kind of on auto, autopilot. I mean, I think the other piece of advice is, as well for, for folks that are out there listening is, and my parents taught me this growing up is, you know, you, you have to put money away for unexpected things and for a rainy day. Right. And just mm -hmm. think about what we're going through right now in our country with the with the pandemic. And, you know, unfortunately, so many people being out of work. Right. This was this was not something that any of us expected uh, this time last year. Right. And here it is. And so that that's another piece of advice that has always stuck with me, too, is you, you never know what's around the corner. You never know, unfortunately, what's going to happen with your job or, mm -hmm. you know, God forbid you get sick or, or anything like that. And so always putting away something for a rainy day, I think, is super important, too, to help you continue to build wealth. Right. To, you know, that money you put away for the rainy for the rainy day is to keep your foundation solid, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it makes a big difference whether or not you have it to. Yeah. I mean, there's no way in the world we would have predicted ever, you know, being through or going through something like COVID. I would have never guessed in a million years that we would go through something, you know, similar to kind of the plague. I mean, unless we were watching, I mean, it almost feels like a, a crazy episode of the Twilight Zone that we're literally <laughs> living through. I'm just sitting up here like, what else is going to happen? There's earthquakes in North Carolina. It's like, what is really going on? Yeah. Um, but let's talk a little bit about kind of your um, relationship with money. 
So when did you first really fall in love with money? When did you kind of have that understanding of the power money would have and, and how it would impact your life? Yeah, I, I would say I, I probably first fell in love with money when I was a teenager and got my first job and got like mm-hmm. a, my first paycheck, if you will. Oh, yeah, that's always uh, a good feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and look, like, all were, of this is mine. Yeah, right. I mean, it was it was minimum wage, right? Whatever minimum right. wage was at, at that time, but you know, for a teenage kid who uh, went out on his own and and got his first paycheck, that was. That was a big deal, and you know, my first job was uh, a telemarketer selling uh, the Star Ledger, uh, calling up people. Uh, yeah, so I, I went like right into sales. My first job. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we're we're somewhat similar there. I have a similar story. Yeah. <laughs> and for yeah. anyone who doesn't know what the Star Ledger is, everyone's gonna have to get on Google. <laughs> right. 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 Definitely. Um, and so I, I, I think that was um, when I first sort of fell in love with money and, and was saving money ever ever since then. I think it, it, it took some time until I, I, I truly understood sort of the value of a dollar. And that was probably um, my late college years uh, at, at that point in time, right? Uh, so there's definitely a, a, a gap there. But, you know, definitely my, my first job, getting that first paycheck, thinking that I had some level of independence as a teenager, even though I didn't, um, you know, it was, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like, we get that first paycheck and it's like, all right, all of this is mine. And then who are these people in the corner that I'm right. also paying that I never really see? <laughs> it's like, those are taxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm like still, that's when you get hit with a reality check. Yeah. I'm still asking those questions these days. with my paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> right, like where exactly is it going? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was your what was your first purchase with your paycheck? Do you remember? Oh, as a as a teenager, man. Um don't remember exactly. I probably went out and bought a pair of sneakers or something like that, knowing yeah. knowing me then. Yeah, that that was probably it. <laughs> I, I think when I got my my first real job post uh college, uh you know, I moved back home to to save money, uh figure out what I where I wanted to live, so on and so forth. Uh, my my first real big purchase was was a car, uh, mm-hmm. and and that um, again going in and and having to put money down and then getting that car note each month that that's that's a serious uh, change of pace for a kid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's like coming to the realization that things definitely cost uh, they cost money and they yes. continue to cost money. Oh yeah. Can, you know, what you call a depreciating asset, which is, you know, a vehicle where it's not really making you any money, but it's out of necessity. Um, And people really starting to understand the layers and and knowledge and terminology around wealth, right? And it's like in our community, a lot of it is kind of what you see and what we can show and how we equate that to our wealth. You know, someone drives a nice car, oh, that person might be doing or must be doing really well. And unfortunately, it's like when you unpack the hood and really see what's going on, that's really not always the case, right? Like that person can barely be meeting the minimum, but still has something for show. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and that goes back to my point earlier about, you know, my, teaching the my, my oldest daughter the value of a dollar and mm-hmm. uh, my concern with what she sees on TikTok and Instagram, because I don't want her to think that that's real life, because for the most part, it's not. 
Right. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, broke people and <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not just necessarily um, in that order, but really just really not understanding, I guess, what's going on or what is reality versus what is actually accumulating and building wealth accumulation and, and things that are really going to help your family prosper. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I, I wish thinking back and preparing for this conversation that that I wish um, I learned early on is I wish I had some classes in high school that mm-hmm. were focused on this. Right. And um, I, I think that that is something that um, all kids need to sort of learn and go through, but especially, you know, um, black kids as well, too. Right. Um, mm-hmm. As we as we look at um, sort of building uh, wealth in our families and, and generational wealth, you know, that, that understanding of items that depreciate or appreciate mm-hmm. and value is super important. And honestly, I didn't have a great understanding of that, like I said, until my, my later years, uh, in, in, in college. And, and I think, that, uh, again, that, that is, that's, that's something that I, I wish, uh, would be taught at least at the high school level in school these days. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's really something that should just be mandatory mm-hmm. because, it, you know, we're learning about everything else. We're, you yep. know, doing all these mathematical equations and things that we'll probably never see. But I understand why it's important to do. Um, but, you know, the one thing that are just so fundamental and I was talking to my niece about this literally last week when I was explaining to her what home economics was when they used to have that course where they would teach you some sort of basic life skills, yeah. uh, whether it was to cook or somewhat talk about money, but not, you know, obviously in detail. And she's right. laughing and she's like, what, what is that? I just sounded so ancient and, and foreign in that moment. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, you think about um, kind of where we are as a society where we've kind of gotten away from some of those normalcies um, and the things that really should be ingrained in our schools and our communities is that, you know, conversation around money and, and investing. And I mean, luckily she goes to a school where they're doing that, but not yeah. enough schools have that, right? Right, right. So we're not having, we're not getting the language where in other communities they're talking about that stuff when, you know, the kids like three, four, five. So they just kind right. of grow up around that. Yeah. And we're always trying to play, you know, catch up in our communities. Right, right. Yeah. And and again, that that's why I'm I'm going I'm trying to spend as much time with my girls at home uh uh teaching them these things. But uh again, um, you know, I, I just wish that it was uh part of the curriculum in, in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It really just makes sense yeah. to kind of continue to push that forward. What do you see that's going on in your community from a wealth perspective? as far as like anything, um, organizations or things that are kind of giving back, especially in the midst of COVID and really making people of color feel more included in a lot of these conversations. I know that you work with and talk with a lot of entrepreneurs, especially on your podcast. What are, you, what are the types of things that you're hearing? Yeah. So, you know, I, I definitely think you, you touched on one thing earlier in terms of uh, the remote working aspect, right? Um, I had a great conversation with someone who was just recently on, on my podcast and, and they talked about uh, sort of this, this new uh, normal in terms of working and, and not necessarily requiring people to be, you know, in L.A. or New York to mm-hmm. have a job. Right. You know, because one, it, 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 it opens up a, a wider candidate pool. Right. But the one mm-hmm. thing uh, that I thought was very interesting that he did say 
uh, and his name is Cavell Khan, and he's the chief revenue officer at, at Tumblr. The one thing that he did say is that, because um, I asked the question, well, if someone lives in the middle of the country, are you still going to pay mm -hmm. New York or LA salaries? Mm -hmm. That's and an he said, Yeah, and he said that his company um, uh, is still going to pay sort of market value, if you will, for employees, because it doesn't matter where you live. It matters about the job that you're doing, the experience mm -hmm. that you have. And so when you, when you talk about sort of um, wealth and, and how some companies are, are looking at it, I, I think that that's super important because if you, can, if you can live somewhere that's not LA or New York where the cost of living isn't so high, right, but you can mm -hmm. still make uh, the appropriate salary, right, that's, that's a great way of, of looking at how you're building wealth and, and building a better lifestyle for your family. Wow, that's really amazing. I mean, that yeah. can change the landscape for so many different people, especially if you're living in more rural rural communities or in the South where things are a lot cheaper and you're already somewhat saving money, but of course your salary is comparable to that location, right? Yeah. But yeah. if you're living there and making money as if you were living in New York or some larger metropolitan area, I mean, that's a game changer. Yeah. And yeah. on top of that, you're not really having to commute anywhere, right? <laughs> Unless right, you're going right, to the grocery right, store right. Or somewhere else. Now, now we'll we'll see how many other companies follow, yeah, follow yeah. suit, right? And and how that how that uh plays itself out over the next, you know, year, five years, ten years. But I, I thought that that was pretty interesting that uh one, he was that open to say that on my podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh and then yeah. two that that they're that they're looking at doing that. So I thought that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, we'll definitely have to um, hold him to that because <laughs> I think that makes a, a big difference when you're able to just reach and even just the people themselves that you're able to reach who, you know, can't afford to just kind of move into these areas and they're able to get these these jobs. I mean, we're watching COVID happen and we know that it's affecting communities of color at a larger scale, yeah. um, getting laid off and things like that. So if you're able to find these new opportunities at these large companies still get the, you know, have the experience, have that uh, large company on your resume and now be able to really get paid for it. I mean, that that changes everything as we start talking about really closing and making an edgeway on the racial wealth gap and how that continues to affect and, and really plague our communities yeah, as well. Definitely, definitely. And and I don't want to get too political here, but I always sort of think about these things. I wonder no, how I wonder how this could um, potentially, and this is a long-term thing, how this could potentially um, change the electoral map in our, in our country as well too, right? If, if you have um, black and brown people moving uh, into, you know, other areas outside of, of major cities in, in places, you know, it could, it could, uh, it could, uh, eventually um, change the makeup of red and blue states in our country yeah. as well, too. But that's, that's we're, we're probably far away from that, but just a thought. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, that's definitely yeah. an interesting point because we are starting to see people move out of the city. You know, we were talking a little bit about that uh, before we, you know, got on about people just kind of taking that moving from the city, moving more into the suburbs and moving further out too, just kind of getting out of the state completely and possibly looking at, you know, being able to purchase land. Yes. Um, really yeah. being able to purchase these large houses that they're now able to leave to their kids. So to your point, I mean, over time, we can definitely see a lot of these states 
changing from a political perspective, just based on the amount of people who are now kind of living in these communities where we weren't necessarily represented before to certain magnitudes. And then right. being comfortable with being there because there's more visibility of us in those communities. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, and I think you you raised a good point about the the ability to to purchase land, right? And, mm-hmm. and to have that uh, in your family and to pass that on to your kids. I mean, it, it's, you know, you want to talk about uh, something that appreciates over time. I mean, land, uh, real estate is is definitely a, a, a big piece of it. Um, so yeah, that's super important. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel as people of color that we really understand our power when it comes to money? Or do you feel like we're still kind of learning really what that moves means and how to kind of maneuver through that? I, I think we're I think we're still learning what that really means. Um, I think situations like what we've we, what we've seen in our country over the last couple of months uh, with the protests, with the um, emphasis on buying black, uh, if you will, um, and, and where we really put our dollars, those sorts of things, mm-hmm. I think, go towards um, um, uh, us as a people realizing the, the buying power that we have in the country, right? What is it? Thir- 13% of, of the population mm-hmm. is, is, is black, right? There's a lot of dollars there. And I think more and more what people are realizing is that um, they just don't want to buy a quality product anymore. They right. want to buy a quality product that is from a brand or a company that shares uh, similar values uh, as they do. And I think as that becomes even more and more important, I think we will realize um, the buying power that we have more and more. But um, there is a lot of buying power. We need to be much more knowledgeable about that. Mm -hmm. And we need to be um, much more strategic as a people with where we spend our money. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, our buying power is, abs- I, I mean, it's ridiculous, right? And then we look at the way that we actually spend money. Um, and it's just that somewhat of a disconnect there, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. if we're able to just shift even a little bit of our buying power right. um, towards more, you know, profitable businesses, or just savings, investments, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a large shift. I mean, we come in and we disrupt industries like no you know like no one's business right, right. I mean, Rihanna right. basically put Victoria's Secret out of the market out of business <laughs> I mean it's kind of like a you know yeah. a memory almost and I, I feel like we continuously do that in certain industries when we are able to kind of understand harness that power harness ourselves as a brand yeah um, because that's really what she did she built a brand around herself you know similar to to beyonce and a lot of other um entertainers and in, in in these industries yeah and was able to just pull that wealth into someone else somewhere else and just kind of break it down <laughs> for what it's worth right we just come right. in and we recreate yeah. And when we really realize that power, it's like everything moves around us. Companies change because of because of us to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's that old saying, you like money makes the world go round. Right. And, right. and like, you know, we 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 play a large uh, uh, part uh, in in uh, in understanding and in brands uh, future. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think I think we need to be much more strategic about that. And, and I think more and more people need to. Again, spend spend dollars with brands that uh, align with your your values. I, I, mm-hmm. I think like start there, right? Ask that question before you make a large purchase or buy something. Do the research on that company 
And if they check the box, then great. Spend your dollars with them. If they don't, then I'm sure they have a competitor that you can go <laughs> elsewhere, right? And and if there's no competitor, then guess what? You Maybe you have your next uh, big business idea to start your own company. Yeah, it's like, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think that was absolutely perfect. It's like, uh, you start here, then it's the second. Then if it's not there, then, you know, you create it. And now you've built a business. Now you're creating wealth and you put something something sustainable and impactful um, into the world. Yeah. Do you feel um, like within your business and your company, do you see the industry changing, uh, the industry that you're in? And then also kind of what do you think that companies can do to really, really shift this, um, shift this wealth and um, kind of create more inclusion? Yeah. So uh, let me uh, answer the, the first question. So at, at Live Intent, and for, for those of you who don't uh, know Live Intent, we're uh, a marketing technology company um, that operates uh, in, in email newsletters. We help publishers and brands uh, monetize, acquire, and retain their audience within within email. We work with some of the biggest publishers and brands uh, out there, everyone from New York Times, Condé Nast, Washington Post, uh, Wall Street Journal, um, companies like Wayfair, Expedia, Overstock, so on and so forth. Uh, and so I, I would say, you know, to answer your your first question, Dana, I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of talk in our industry uh, mm -hmm. about uh, change, about creating more of an inclusive culture uh, for doing better at hiring. Um, some companies are, are putting their their money where their mouth is and, and making real change. Um, we're certainly uh, one of those companies. Um, we, we've got, um, a, a few employee resource groups, um, that, that, um, that, uh, that run at our company. Um, one that I founded over a year ago, um, uh, we have, uh, a diversity equity and inclusion executive, uh, committee, which I'm actually the chair of. And the goal there is to make sure that at the most senior levels of our organization, uh, we're pushing forward on, on various diversity and inclusion initiatives and holding our executives accountable for creating space, creating room for our employees to do the sorts of things that they want to do from a, from an employee uh, resource group uh, perspective, right? So we're definitely doing some things. I, I, I would say, I always say that, you know, this type of change is a marathon, not a sprint, right? It's mm -hmm. going to take time. Uh, but what's most important is that um, we set goals uh, we measure those goals, we report back on those goals to the company, and we keep pushing forward, right? That's where the level of accountability is. Uh, so I hope that answers your first question. And then I'm sorry, you're oh, going yeah, to you're gonna have, to repeat, <laughs> you're gonna have to repeat the second question because I forgot what it was. No worries, no worries. Uh, really just asking what you think companies can do better. Um, and I'll actually change it a little bit, especially within the financial industry when we're talking about inclusion and, and really just making sure that just from a professional's perspective and really from a consumer perspective that we feel like we're included in conversations around wealth and, and really building on our money and not just continuously looked at from a consumer perspective. Um, how do you think that uh, maybe companies, especially financial institutions, can kind of change how they market and, and really speak to us to kind of get more out of our dollars? Yeah, I, I think it starts with education. Uh, honestly, I think it starts with dialogues like this, mm -hmm. right? I think the more um, companies can be open to having uh, dialogues like this, having people on to talk about experience, having 
experts on uh, to give advice, right, mm -hmm. and, and market to um, those appropriate audiences to bring them in, I, I think that's where it starts. Because I think, let, let's be honest, when it comes to financial conversations, right, sometimes mm -hmm. those can be uncomfortable for people, right? Yeah. Sometimes people don't want to talk about their finances and they certainly don't want to talk about their finances to a total stranger. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think um, having virtual dialogues like this could be a good place to um, open the door. And then I think, um, you know, the more people that we can have in financial advisor positions that look like us, then the more people that look like us will be comfortable with having those mm -hmm. conversations. And that's why I think like, you know, what you're doing at your company is, is, uh, is super important because you are identifying uh, black and Latin um, advisors for, for folks that want to have these sorts of conversations. So I think it just starts with trying to have more open dialogue like this. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And and thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that. I think it is important to kind of have those spaces to create normalcy, right? Because there's yeah. really no normalcy around talking about money. It's still taboo. It makes people right. feel really uncomfortable. It's yeah. like, why do you want to know? Why do you want to know about my money, right? Why do you <laughs> yeah. want to know about what's going on in my paycheck? <laughs> right, right, right. And that's right. kind of how we've been conditioned for so many years. It's kind of like, well, I got my money. You go figure it out. Or no, you know, you don't ask me about that. And the kind of the conversation stops there, right? Right, so It's right. like we're consistently going through, um, you know, these stages of, of not, of, of no growth when, we, when we're talking about the conversation or just kind of getting used to, speaking yeah. about it and talking right. about it with our family and our friends and then possibly to some extent people at work right it's just kind of like it's just not an open dialogue um yeah. and i and do that, think yeah to your point yeah and that no i was gonna say and, that, and that's why I, I said starting with dialogues like this mm -hmm. right because you have to break down those barriers of of lack of trust right you have yeah. to break down those barriers of getting to your point people to feel um, more comfortable uh, with with having these sorts of conversations. I, I almost equated to um, mental health, right? Mm -hmm. You know, in, in the black yep. community for so long, we've had this sort of uh, idea of like, you know, I'm not talking about my feelings. I'm not talking about how I feel, right? Mm -hmm. But we, we see now, like, look how important mental health is, how important that aspect uh, of your life is in order to uh, be more productive, right? And 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 I think it's the same thing with money, right? We have to sort of figure out how to break down those walls to get people talking more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really just starting from a simple, simple conversation, right? Yeah. Like we're having now. It's <laughs> yeah. fun. We're smiling. <laughs> right? It's like that's step one, right? Is it, is yeah. it going to be okay? Are people going to be frowning? No. <laughs> So definitely, yeah, I mean, it definitely um, makes it easy, makes people just kind of want to be included. And I think for nothing else, right? It's like, we just want to be here. We want to be seen. We want to be visible. We want right. to be a part of the conversation because there's still all these stereotypes around how we're not interested in our wealth. We don't necessarily care about our wealth or what's going on in our pockets. But a lot of that is not true. So it's like any time that we get the chance to really take back and, and tell our own stories. I mean, that makes the world of difference for people to now start to listen 
to what we're saying as opposed to still go on with these narratives, no matter kind of where you're sitting in the seat as far as how well you're doing financially, right? We walk into certain yeah. places and there's still um, that notion or those level or those biases that still kind of pop up. Yeah, and and the part about uh, us not as a people not caring about our wealth is is certainly not true. Mm-hmm. I think what what's true is the the lack of education uh, right. around um, how to how to build wealth. I think that is the the the, the key. And the more we can be educated uh, as a people about how to build wealth, uh, what's important. What are the items that we buy that depreciate in value versus appreciating in value? Like those, that that's where we need to get to. Going back to our earlier conversation, is the education and the knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. I agree <laughs> with that. It's definitely just access. Yeah. <laughs> like with come access comes opportunity. There you go. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So we're gonna move into my other favorite part. Uh, will be a set of some couple rapid fire questions. Uh-oh. That would sound- <laughs> <laughs> Don't I think worry, I'm nothing ready. too crazy. All right. <laughs> All right, let's see. This should be fun. Who spends most of your money? <laughs> Who spends most of my money uh, outside of the government? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that could be an answer. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, it's probably right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I spend most of my money, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. What does financial independence mean to you? Oh, um, to be able to um, put my money where I want to put it, to be able to allocate my dollars where I want to allocate it versus necessarily needing to allocate it, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. You also forgot to add in there the Caribbean island. Yes. (laughs) 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 Uh, Finish the sentence. My impact on the world is. Oh, my impact on the world. Um, my, My impact on the world is giving. Um, I, I think I, I give more out into the world than, than I, than I take or receive, which I'm, I'm totally fine with that. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, being a leader at work, uh, being a mentor, uh, my podcast, as, as you know, where, where we, where we highlight, um, people of color, women, LGBTQ community and, and business media and technology to tell their story, stories, um, giving to obviously my family, my wife, my kids, so on and so forth. So I, I would say, I would say giving. Awesome. I think that's fantastic. And last one, what is one item you regret spending money on? One item I regret spending money on. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, one item I regret spending money on. Oh man, you you stumped me on the. Uh, <laughs> let's see. No, I'm I'm gonna give you an answer. I just need to think of it. Uh, how about this? When I first bought my house, I bought a lawnmower because I thought I was gonna be outside every weekend cutting grass. I realized <laughs> after the first year of doing it, I didn't want to spend my weekends doing that, and so now I. Feel like I'm <laughs> to do it. So 
I shouldn't have bought that lawnmower. <laughs> now I got to Did you get the riding lawnmower or was no, it? Just no, no, no. Of course, yeah. Uh, see, yeah, see yeah. that's where you messed up. You had to make it like a whole thing in an activity. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I I enjoy actually sipping my cup of coffee uh, early and Wednesday watching it go by. It go by, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I am I am not mad at you because <laughs> I. Yeah, especially now it's like, yeah, it's hot. Who wants to be outside? Right, exactly. Not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, Corel, thank you so much uh, for coming on the Included series. This was a great conversation. I mean, I hope a lot of people took a lot of, away. You you hit a lot of great uh, gems. Uh, so I hope either they were taking notes or just kind of can come back in and really rewatch this episode. So thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed the conversation. Awesome. All right, everyone, we'll be back next week. Uh, so please tune in next Tuesday at 730. Take care and stay safe. Bye, everyone.